it took about 45 seconds to actually get mentally sane to record this episode. Um, but welcome to episode 11 of Unpolished Gems. We got great feedback on the last episode over Father's Day that just my dad and I did. So while the last couple episodes, I guess the last three would have been Coach Rack, Will Levis, and Mike Mark. All awesome episodes, awesome guests, but we're kicking it back to a one-on-one father-son episode for this week. Dad, let's run it. I'm pumped. Let's do this. Uh, I don't know what was going on with me, but I could not get myself together. I think it's been sitting in doctor's offices for four hours today and dentist and foot doctor and all this shit where I could not actually get the attention ready to do this episode, but we made it. I'm I'm happy we made it. I did a lot of zooming myself today, so I'm trying to get my headset back, but I'm excited to have this conversation because I consider it a continuing and ongoing conversation that I think a lot of people are probably going to relate to. Um <clears throat> especially if you have college-bound children, high school children, you're about like what I would refer to as the midlife level um on my end uh, you know i'd like to believe i'm middle midlife versus latter than that and there's just a lot of weird stuff that goes on when you hit that life phase when your children are old enough to be young adults and leaving the house and starting new careers and um you're at a phase in your life where you're reevaluating a whole bunch of things so i think there's a lot to dig in on and i haven't even started on all the things that are going on in the world and all the change, the rapid amounts of change. Um, I just would love to dig in and see where it goes. Well, I guess to start off, uh, probably just with what's happening in our day to day right now, uh, by the time this episode comes out, I will have moved into the city yesterday when this comes out. So I'm moving into the city, um, And that should be an experience. Uh, I'm moving out and I'm going to be living in the city for at least a year, probably longer than that. I'm going to try to be balancing all of the stuff I do outside of here with stuff I'll be doing in a work setting as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of evolution on stuff. And I think it's just going to be a big transition for everybody. Yeah. I mean, let's 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 start with it right there. What does it feel like? I mean, you know, we did everyone who's been listening kind of has a little background about um, your experience growing up and some of the um, struggles that you kind of experienced and and then, you know, managing to go to college and then finishing college. And now you're going through a major milestone, a new milestone, which is you've graduated college. And not only are you starting a career, but you're moving out of the house and becoming like you know, a, a completely autonomous, independent, functioning adult. What does that feel like? What are some of the concerns? And what's some of the things that you're most excited about? Weird, but great. Um, and back to the whole graduated college thing. Craziest thing, I think I told you two nights ago, I didn't know these nightmare dreams existed. And I think you told me you had the same ones. But I wake up in a panic at 4am that I didn't study for an exam that I had the final that morning and I was not going to graduate. And then I literally woke up facing that direction, looked up and saw my diploma. And I was like, oh, wait, I did graduate. So I don't know if that's a stress dream, but I think that ties back into I was talking today about it literally with my therapist on the fact that I actively don't feel the same anxiety and nerves about such a big transition that I used to. 
but subconsciously, 100% it's there. Like, I woke up this morning and I, like, woke up at 3 a.m., felt nauseous. I was like, I'm not sick. Like, what the fuck's going on here? It was the transition, I think, and all of that stuff. So I think, do I know how to cope with it better now? Absolutely. Am I comfortable with the discomfort? I think that's the most important part of the whole thing for me at this point. But I think it's still there and it never truly goes away. So how have you learned to manage those feelings, which seem to come up for you every time there's a major life transition? And it's almost as if you completely forget about the fact that you always go through this process anytime you've ever had a milestone change. Um, maybe you can share with everybody, like, how do you approach those feelings and how do you move through them? Well, it's not even that I forget how I end up feeling. Like I know I end up being fine. It's just annoying. Like, it's the fact that I know I have to go through the pain in the ass of actually doing it um, for a couple weeks. But my process with new things is very simple. Number one, I expect the discomfort. Number two, I put my head down and accept the discomfort. And number three, I accept that it's going to last for anywhere from 14 to 21 days. If I'm still feeling it after 21 days, I might have a problem. But 99.9% .9 of the time, that's my way on coping with transition. Yeah, I mean, you know, it reminds me of some – there's so many stories, but there was one in particular, and it was from a guy who, who ended up becoming a Navy SEAL, and he was talking about somebody that he went through the training with who literally had, like, a intense fear of heights, and you have to jump out of airplanes at some point, and he's like, what, what fascinated me about this, this guy is – he literally vomited the entire time on the ground in preparation for the flight. Then when we got on the airplane, he vomited about 10 more times. And then he was the first guy to the front of the line and the first guy to jump off the airplane. And he's like, I sat there at first and I judged this guy that like, to me, that looked like fear. Like, what is this guy doing? And how dare he, you know, try to become a seal if he's got fear of heights. And then I ended off feeling nothing but admiration for the fact that this was his apex fear and he felt that fear and did it anyway and sucked it up and to me that's br being brave and having courage the other thing that i've realized over time is the anticipation of any major event is guaranteed to be 100x worse than the actual event like i've never in my life ever had something where the actual moment was a bigger oh shit than the actual me because i catastrophize and cycle the thoughts like I go worst case scenario and it's a terrible thing that I'm trying to work on. But I think about everything that could go awfully wrong when in reality, that situation might happen one to 5% of the time. And I've already lived through it 7 million times when it was totally unnecessary. And that's something actually, I don't have it on me. It's in my car. Something that I tried using to try and break those things is this thing called the muse. And it literally, it's this device you put on your head. It looks like you have a headband on. And it gives you live neurofeedback. So like if you, you put on a beach setting, if you hear like pounding thunder and crashing waves, your brain activities through the roof. If you can literally turn your brain off, you start hearing birds and calm waves and it's relaxing. And it literally trains you. And I've learned I can turn my brain off and prevent those looping thoughts. And you realize how quick you could do it. So that's been one of the things I'm trying to work on. It's like when my brain goes there, literally turn my brain off and see what happens. And it's worked. So that's fascinating. And what is the trick to going from thunder and lightning to birds chirping? It's funny because you'd immediately think you just have to think about nothing. The issue is thinking about nothing is thinking about something. 
because you're actively thinking that, oh my God, Jesse, stop thinking. That doesn't work. I totally just clear out. Like no active thought. I'm trying to describe it in words. It's so hard. I just let my mind float. Like think if you're floating in like a, the ocean or a pool, your brain is just floating. Wherever the thoughts go, you let it wander. And then I try and make it harder on myself. So like when I close my eyes, it's very easy because you just see black and you can do it. But if you try opening your eyes and doing it, you then see a light. And if you're ADD like me, you're like, oh my God, new light. Oh my God, another plane. And then it's way harder because your brain's then moving. Um, so it's been good practice on just trying to tone it down and literally just a release, like how you'd train your muscles to go work out one way. You're training your brain to be able to just compartmentalize and turn things off. I think you should try it. I think you'd enjoy it. I would love to try it. In fact, maybe we'll do that afterwards. I let Brad, uh, Brad Kraut was over at our house last week and I tried to, he, he failed miserably. I hate to say it. Brad tried to lightning too much. Brad was just pounding thunder and lightning. He was lying back on the bed trying to do it. And, uh, it made me feel a little bit better. I think me and Brad have similar levels of ADD and granted I tried it a couple times, but I was like, Brad, you do this for a week. I think you'll change your brain. I mean, I think it sounds like an amazing way to train brain waves to calm down. Exactly. What about from a parent perspective? Like, I'm your oldest kid. Um, I think a lot of parents are going through this where their kids move out or if they have an only child moving out. What's the experience been like seeing me move out? And then also the process of sort of the, hey, Jesse, like, you're old. You're on your own now. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, like, answer that with there's, like – just a, a heavy dose of um, just feelings of uncertainty. Uh, you know, just it's a combination of, I think, the age, um, the times that we're living through. Like if I combine like all the different factors we've got, we're coming out of COVID, right? We're on the back end of that and people are trying to reintegrate and trying to reconnect then you've got all sorts of like disruptive things going on in technology, like with AI and what kind of impact is that going to have in social media? And then you throw in like world stuff and disorder around the world, like wars and Ukraine and Russia and nuclear threats. And then you throw in like, hey, I'm middle aged and I lost one of my favorite people on the planet, which was my father in law. And you begin to start thinking about your mortality and, um, you know, how many years do we have left and how do I want to spend them and who do I want to spend them with? And you become more reflective. And then just as another reminder, your oldest son is now a man and he is starting a career and moving into New York City. And the feelings that I've been having is just... It's a combination of like joy and excitement that we raised a really, really good kid, man. And the um, excitement for you, because I, th- I feel like you have an amazing life ahead of you. And then some melancholy um, that how did it go so quickly? Like, you know, you end up going back and looking at pictures. Like from when you were like six or 10 and it feels like yesterday and you were this little kid that I was, you know, like we were buds and hang out. And I saw this quote and it actually, I didn't cry, but it made me sad. Um, it was just like, by the time your, your children are like 12, you've spent 
something like 50% of the time you're ever going to spend with them. And then by the time they're like 16 to 18, you spent like 80% of the time you're ever going to spend with them. <clears throat> and what made me sad about it is, but also I, I'm hopeful, was, you know, it's very easy to get caught up in the day to day and getting things done and making sure to, and to not embrace like, this isn't, this isn't going to last. And like these kids are going to leave my house. They're going to have their own lives and their own families and their own futures. And I better like really savor the the time that I have with them and appreciate it. And that the feelings that I have are very conflicted, a combination of joy and sadness. Well, first off, I think that we're probably nowhere near 80% if we keep doing stuff like this and talking as much as we do. But I do think that's a unique thing where like a lot of times once the kid goes off to college that's like see parents over holidays and then you move to the city or wherever you move and it's the same thing and that's kind of it my, my hope and you know I, I was going back and forth in like a group chat and it was like you know a lot of times you have these conversations about like social media is destroying you know our children and <clears throat> you know all this kind of stuff that people like point fingers at as to why, you know, you can't raise good kids anymore, why relationships are messed up. And my overall feeling about all of this is really very simple. I think we have control over one thing, how we behave and how we choose to respond to the events that are going on around us and focus on the things that we do have control over. <clears throat> one of them is my own emotional mastery. The other one is that how I treat your mother. How is my relationship with your mother? How are we behaving as examples in our household every day with each other? Showing, are we showing love? Are we showing respect for each other? Are we showing respect and kindness to people that you guys witness us interacting with? whether they're service people, whether they're friends and family? And are we demonstrating the type of human beings we would like you to become? And then my, my hope is that through that process, you guys are watching every move, every minute. And the people who are preaching how to be the best parent, or you should do this, or you should do that, or it's social media... It, it's, it has nothing to do with that because if I do a good job being an example for what that looks like and you guys are watching that throughout your entire time growing up with us and we treat you with love and kindness and acceptance and non-judgment and we help you but we give you structure, then my hope is that you can basically navigate whatever life throws at you. Whether that is social media, whether that is a world war, whether that is AI, whatever the world throws at you, if we did a decent job of raising solid human beings, you will want to spend time with us because you like us after you don't have to spend time with us any longer, which you don't anymore, right? You're grown. You could leave. Um, but I believe you choose to because you love us. And... I'm going to say one more thing, and I know I'm talking a lot in this episode, but I ran into 
one of our neighbor's daughters who happens to work at the gym. And she's like, you guys are so lucky. You guys have like the most awesome family. Like I see your Facebook pictures and I see that you guys are traveling to like Europe. And, but I also noticed that like when you guys do most of your travels, it's like with your entire family and they like want to be with you, which is so freaking awesome. Respect to Brian and Helene. Nice. Uh, no, I think like it's a, if you could go back, how do I put this? If you could do it all over again, is there anything you'd change? I mean, there's like you, I think you get better and smarter. Uh, like, in, like if, if you're self-reflective and you're trying to every day become a better version of yourself and you're competing with yesterday's version of you, right? Like not anybody else, then sure, there's so much stuff I would probably modify. You know, number one, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I'm sure I was way less evolved. I'm sure my emotional maturity was far lower. I'm sure I was much more inclined to trigger and get angry over stuff that's pretty meaningless. I think I would have had a much deeper recognition that half the time when a child is acting out, they're hurting on the inside somewhere. And instead of responding in a harsh manner, maybe the, the right answer is to basically separate them and talk to them and say, is everything okay? Like what's going on? Um, I, I think I probably would have been kinder and a little bit more patient. But that, how else do you become the better person without having made the mistakes? My, uh, for, I don't know if the camera can see my OCD right now and checking, I got like a filling in between my teeth today and it feels different than it normally does. And I just keep looking at it and touching it and tweaking it. So, but yes, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. I've noticed that you're doing it and I'm going to give you a, a shout out that like, it looks awesome. Yeah. We'll see how long it lasts, but I'm going to give it a, a, a thumbs up. I think it looked, you're, I like that you're smiling. Give me more <laughs> smiles and I'm yeah, happy. Exactly. Um, from a business standpoint um a couple things we were talking about this week i mean it's just so interesting to see how different activities happening in both of our spaces like we were talking about how some of my friends are now having their first exits in companies some of the people you know are exiting or buying companies or changing companies or starting new chapters What's your thoughts on that entire shift for people our age, your age, entering that sort of second chapter or starting to look towards that? You know, let's start with with your age. Like, I, I, I think that it appears that people are seeking deeper meaning from the choices that they're making about their careers that I think, and it's not everybody, but I think people are starting to get the memo that like, this idea of success that has been served up through social media, through, you know, marketing agencies and advertising agencies, um, influencers is a bunch of bullshit. And that, you know, there's a significant difference between what made that person successful and the symbol that is being utilized for success. And I think there's an awful lot of people trying to get the feelings of success by getting the symbols of success and wearing them. Whether the symbol is their clothing, the car they drive, um, some brand, 
that's associated with the person that they like aspire to when in fact what if if that person's happy which i seriously question in a lot of cases what probably made them happy it has nothing to do with the trappings it has everything to do with the journey they took the person they became the the things that they were able to accomplish that gave them a sense of meaning and purpose so all that to say that i do think that people who chase the dollar chase um a certain name brand of uh company because that's what their parents told them that they should do or that's what they saw their parents do or that's what everybody in school was going after they're going to end up feeling an emptiness and i think the ones who are more true to themselves and kind of like start to live from the inside out instead of the outside in and say you know what am i attracted to i'm not saying that like a lot of times you, you know, people like follow your passion. Well, a lot of people don't have any effing clue what that is yet. So I would say sometimes like, you know, um, do what you love or love what you do. Like sometimes that comes from doing it first and developing a understanding of it and a passion develops from that experience. And then you are in love with it. But to say that you have to start by being in love with it, I think it's asking a lot and maybe setting people down the wrong pathway. So on the, the, the topic of younger people, I just hope more people, especially post-COVID, go after what brings them you know, a sense of meaning, accomplishment, and joy and connection um, that they can build on instead of just going for the, you know, the the materialistic surface level things that they think will make them happy that I think they'll discover won't. Two things on that. Number one, great book that I just read uh, that we talked about, Man's Search for Meaning. Great book. Like it, after I've read that, it takes away the entire thought of, I don't know, it made me realize nothing's that deep <laughs> and nothing's not fixable. I think a lot of people in my generation get stressed out. Oh my God, what if my career doesn't go how I want in a year? Or oh my God, what if I break up with this girl? Or oh my God, what if this happens? After reading that book, it's like net of death, everything else is fixable. And everything isn't that – it might seem like a big deal and temporarily it might be a big deal in your life. But when you're on your deathbed, is it going to have changed your life? And that's try. – I've changed my thinking on a lot of stuff and I've kind of just taken – I have a weight that I carry around, I think, prior to onsite, that thing I went to in Tennessee where I was like, oh my God, I'm in a rush. I need to do this. Now I'm like, I'm going to do what I think the right path is. It comes back to, I don't think there's a right decision or a wrong decision. You just make the decision and then make that decision right. And it's like, that's where my head's gone. And then second, back to what you were saying about your identity and all of that, I think one of the things I'm trying to do, which you've done an unbelievable job at, is if your business was eliminated tomorrow and you went bankrupt tomorrow, would that suck? Yeah. But do I think it would change your identity? No. And I think that's the issue for a lot of people who might lead big organizations or are so tied to their work or their company that they don't have a persona outside of that where they feel their entire identity is what they do and that's who they are. Yeah. I mean, that's such a deep thought and topic. And I think our previous conversation with Coach Rack hit on that a little bit, which is the only way to not be completely destroyed as an athlete when you get cut um, 
or when your career is over is to, to not have your identity tied up in what you do. And like, you know, again, there's, I'm going to say something that's either Buddhist or spiritual for a second. So just, Fuck, I thought we were going to make it through a whole episode. No chance, no chance. So it's kind of like, you know, this concept of we're not human doings, we're human beings, right? But it really, like, if you think about it, like, there's the being part of what we are, and then there's the doing part of what we are. And the doing isn't who we are. Like, that's just simply what we're spending our time doing and being engaged with. And I do think there's a sense of peace and calm that comes with just relaxing into the experience of life. Like, to me, for all of us, it's like, we're we're getting to star in a movie, right? Where we're the central character. And we've got all these different characters coming in and out of our lives and all the there there's there's different scenes and chapters to this movie or book or whatever it is. And you're not really supposed to know what's going to happen next cuz it would make it uber boring. It has to have an ending cuz if it didn't, you wouldn't take it seriously. And like fucking enjoy the ride. Like it's the journey, not the destination. Somebody I follow on social, I saw this post that I loved and it's kind of changed my thinking on things where he put something along the lines of live your life as if there's a documentary crew following you around 24 seven and just live your life that way. It's so much more fun. Like things that would bore you or be like, this is going to suck. You put a smile on and you're like, let's share this journey with the people. And it's just a cool mental frame to live your life with a new excitement, even on the mundane stuff. I love it. And, you know, like a, a long time ago in my 30s, Jess, I, you know, that I went through my little, I, like a, a search phase in my 30s. And maybe one day I will have uh, one of the people that I interacted with that kind of like, you know, help me through to the other side. Let's of that. pause on that for a second. You didn't just have a little phase, it was a multi year phase. You flew to like, where'd you fly to London or the middle of England to go meet some guy before he died so he could give you like the special touch? Yeah. So, um, he didn't give me the special touch. That's Jesse embellishing a little bit, but, um, yeah, I went through four years from like, it was probably started at age 33 and I'm not going to say it ended, but it kind of like, I, I got the, I was seeking and I got the answer that I was seeking for probably when I was about 37. And it was like something that I had discovered through this guy, Douglas Harding, who is from Nacton, England, who at the time was 97 years old and in not good shape physically and um, in a wheelchair. And um, his like the person who was like carrying the torch forward on what Douglas shared um, was Richard Lang, who I would love to at some point have as a guest. And Richard was like, he saw I was very enthusiastic and curious as a person. And he's like, you know what? You seem to have gotten so much out of Douglas's uh, exercises and sharing. Why don't you jump on an airplane and come meet Douglas in Nacton, England? And bear in mind, this was like, you were a little like two, three-year-old kid. Logan, I think, was on the way. And I tell mom that I'm jumping on an airplane to go to London, England, to get into a car to go to Nacton to meet a 97-year-old architect who 
shared spiritual exercises that changed my life. And you can only imagine that mom. Did she think you were fucking insane? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was not only mom. I think the entire like extended family and my friends all thought I was fully losing it. But for me, <clears throat> at that point in time, it was one of these moments which I see a lot of 30-something-year-olds experiencing and that now as a 50-something-year-old, I can provide guidance to them going through something similar, which is, you know, I was always goal-oriented starting in my 20s. And I always wrote down, this is like, you know, in, in 10 years, I'm going to have this house and this income and this business, and I'm going to be in this shape with a six-pack and all these different goals for health, fitness, finance, blah, blah, blah. And I hit age 30. Your teeth look great, by the way. I hit. <laughs> I keep checking around in the camera. I'm like, too, I, mean, I still feel you're it. You're going to have to pan away from the crazy teeth poses that are going on. So I hit my 30s and I'm like, let me just reflect on this. I've achieved everything that I put in writing I wanted to achieve. Now, many people could say, maybe your goals weren't that high. You know, like maybe you maybe you just weren't pushing yourself. But I actually found that, like, for me, I hit all of the metrics and milestones that I wanted to achieve. And yet, even with the woman of my dreams, kids that I loved, family that loved me and I loved, um, a business, great partner, everything that you could say on a piece of paper that you would want there was a like kind of a void and an emptiness that I just couldn't quench and I didn't understand it. And that basically set me on the search for the answer to like, what's the meaning of this? You know, like what, if this isn't what provides happiness in a human lifetime, then I'm missing something here because I like, there's something still missing. So what was it? I mean that's a very very long and deep question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go as this far is from as coming from the kid who was like, at what was my God question when I was like two years old? That was the most spiritual I've ever been in my entire life, and then it just turned off. Yeah. So at age three, you looked up at me and mom from the bathtub, and you said, "Mom and dad, am I in God or is God in me?" And I, like literally, that freaking blew me away because I was going through this phase at that time, and I'm like. That's literally the kind of question that like spiritual seekers ask when they're like 35 to like 60. And you just popped up and we're like, really like actively pondering that thought. Um, so what, like, what was I seeking for? That was the end of my spiritual search. Yeah. Then Jesse basically got into, you know, like everyday life and kind of that went away. And by the way, I do think there's something too, that when we come here, when we are born, I think there's a significant openness and awareness, and I do think it disappears. I think we actually, so what was I seeking and what do I think I, that was, was going on? When you're born, I think you are born into like being everything and everyone and no one. And there's no like overt individual identity. Like if you look at a little baby, it's like, it's looking up, right? And it's part of everything. It like, but what happens from the second you start to get put in that crib? 
we name you. We call you out of that awareness and we say, hey, Jesse, Jesse, oh, Jesse, you're so cute. Blah, blah, blah. And then we pick you up and then suddenly we're putting boundaries around this vast openness that's being enjoyed and you are becoming smaller and you are becoming packaged into a body and an ego and an identity. And so I do think that for like in religious terms, they refer to that as like the fall from grace, right? Like coming from heaven and then becoming like a mortal. So net net, did you find God? So net net, I think the search is the rediscovery, but consciously of what you lost in your childhood innocence. So it's it, like if there's one quote, become like a child again, but you don't want to go back to the child consciousness because that's basically like animal consciousness. It's like, I believe animals are running around enlightened because they aren't self-aware in the way that we are, but they don't have the conscious awareness of this. They've never developed that egoic independent. So, so what my point is, is that at some point in your thirties, you become so boxed into this identity and this ego that you feel like I need to like, I need to release. I want to, I want to re embrace my fullness again. Is this like a genetic thing that I'm going to then have in about seven years? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All I know is I didn't care about any of this stuff at all. I just always had this sense of there was something bigger and grander than me going on. Because like the jump between like being a 21-year-old frat douche from your college days to becoming a spiritual guy on a journey at 30 is quite the character plot twist. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Give yourself a decade. I, I, like, I look back at life in decades and it is kind of a fascinating thing that like we do function in chapters. And I find decades to be interesting like delineation points in these chapters because there's just a lot of change. And also like what is important to you dramatically changes from like your 20s to your 30s to your 40s to your 50s. And, and honestly, if I was going to design all this, like if I'm the coder and I was programming this, like each one would have a lesson and once you've gotten the lesson, it's time to move on to the next lesson. And towards the end, I think the lesson is probably letting go. I kind of get half of what you're saying. No, I, I generally agree. Like, I think if, if my dad panned his camera to the left, if he knew how to do that without breaking the entire computer, you would see like 8,000 books on spirituality. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. If you look left, how many books are there? Honestly, it's probably about 700 different books. And that, that phase, again, it's like, it's, I'm sure there's something wrong with me, but it, it was this rabid search for answers. Like, but the interesting part about it is kind of going back to the same thing with just like career or meaning. It's like my search went in this direction and I was running around like, you know, in a like, like, kind of like a, a mouse in one of those like wheels, right? And all it does is it exhausts you until you stop, give up, reverse the arrow of attention this direction, because all of the answers are contained within you, not outside of you. 
but you don't know that when you're seeking. And, and that is when you have the possibility of discovering some level or some measure of the truth or your truth. You know, I don't like saying the truth because it sounds like I've got the answer or, you know, I don't look at it that way because I think each person has to go on this journey for themselves in their own way and have their own hero journey to have this. Nobody can deliver this to you. Nobody should tell you this is the way it is. And it's my number one problem with like religion, philosophy, or any dogmatic approach to this kind of conversation is like, you can be a guide, you can suggest maps and, you know, pathways, but ultimately, um, everyone has to take the trip from the alone to the alone. And they have to take the journey themselves. They have to be a lamp unto themselves. You know, they cannot, like a teacher cannot give this to you. They can point. Yeah, no, I think I agree with the premise on that stuff. And I'm excited for in six years from now when I start losing my mind. We'll see how that goes. The place I wanted to pivot this to for the remaining part of this conversation, two things. Number one, this is episode 11. We've now done this for approaching three months. Yeah. What's your initial takeaways? What's your initial thoughts? What do you think so far? That's such a wide question. I'm going to go with like what my, my personal thoughts are. I'm deriving an immense amount of joy and satisfaction doing it, um, doing it with you, having an opportunity to check in once a week, having an opportunity to meet fascinating people and learning different perspectives. I, I, I think it's one of the biggest things missing in our culture. And if, if I'm going to like harsh on men for a second, being that I'm one of them and you're one of them, men generally fucking suck at listening to each other. Like women are pretty solid at that. And just having an opportunity to have thoughtful, I mean, men and women, we did have Jen Fessler and hopefully we will have more, but having thoughtful guys and having an opportunity to listen, ask meaningful questions and shut the fuck up and learn from people is something that's, I think, missing in our society. And it lends to connection and growth. So... I'm going to say I've been freaking loving it. I am 100% interested in hearing your experience so far. It's been awesome. Like I missed having a podcast. Obviously, I've done it on and off for six years, and I just find joy in it. Like having interesting conversations with people, it's been an awesome version getting to do it with you. And surprisingly, I was looking at our download numbers, and we've had unbelievable guests, and all their stuff has been great. Two of our four highest performing ones ever, just me and you talking. And it's like I want to try and get that portion in here too because I think there's a lot of people that could relate to our experiences, our stories, hear about what's going on with us. And selfishly, it's a fun little diary to connect with you once a week and then interview world-class people. And then you learn so much from them. Like I had Rack on the show and then I'm in a content group chat thing learning from some of the best content creators on that stuff with him. Then I can help with different monetization stuff and give feedback on that. And we interview Will and get to hear stories that he hasn't talked about. Like that portion of it and getting to talk with fascinating people, I'll never get old of uh, or sick of. It's just a ton of fun. So overall, great. Now we're at the point where we have a cadence, we have a routine, we know what we want to talk about. Now it's just scaling the base. And 
I just like I look at this even as a case study for my own types of business where I'm like, I'm going to try new things to see if we can get this thing pumping. So I'm trying a new strategy now in addition to everything else, and we'll see how that works. But generally, our feedback's been unbelievable. Like I'm just blown away by how many people we're hitting on social every month. Like I think last, for our first two months, each month we hit like 320,000 people each month between Instagram and TikTok. So like it's been a great initial spurt. Um, and then like eventually we'll find out just like anybody else, well, how we'll scale this thing. If we want to monetize it, if we just want to grow the base and go from there, the stuff on monetizing actually might be relevant for creators who are listening. I had this conversation with a couple of content creators earlier in the week. I think the number one issue that content creators have is they don't understand that they are the business and how they can make money. So a lot of them will have a funnel, but the funnel just leads to free content for an email, which is fine, but it's like. If somebody's investing that much time and likes your stuff, you can probably monetize a portion of it. And then it's just pricing it. Like I've seen so many of these guys where it's like, if you're a content creator, create three price offerings, have a $5 thing, a $49 thing, and a $199 thing, and open that door for people. And I think it blows people away that like, wait, I don't, I, sure I can work with brands and do brand deals, but my own IP email list courses and brand is probably more valuable than anything else. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do have some thoughts on it because I, I, in a very practical way, like, first of all, our intention to date, like I went into this, like you're starting a career. I I have a business like it was never with the monetization as primary to you and I. And it was like, let's see how far this thing could go. And by the way, I'm still going after Mr. Beast. Like we're going to be fucking huge. We are going to be like, you know, I'm hoping the next Joe Rogan of father-son combos. Um, and I, I really do, like, I'm committed to playing the long game and running a marathon with you and just doing this consistently and continually showing up every week. Like, I think it was Alex Hormozzi who basically said, like, the number one thing that people don't understand is it's just, it's reps. It's getting reps. And they get like all freaked out. It's like, oh my God, I've been like, we've been running our podcast for, for two months. Why aren't we the top on the, you know, the charts? Why don't we have a hundred million downloads? It's like, dude, you, you, you have to do 10,000 podcasts. Like it's volume and reps that lead to mastery of anything. So I think that alone, it's the good reminder that you just, you just got to keep like 90%, 95% of success is just showing up. And then the second thing on monetization, just to talk about that for a second is as a business guy, we serve uh, financial advisors. And the first thought I had was like, and by the way, some of our most successful financial advisors do this is they have a podcast around the subject matter that they're a subject matter expert in. And why is that relevant? Well, it's, it's relevant because even if you don't know how to like sell e-commerce products or affiliate or sponsorships or all these other things that these massive platforms do, you probably have, let's say you're a business owner and you probably become, have become an expert on whatever that thing is. And you could probably come up with a pretty fascinating podcast to the people who are interested in that around that subject matter. And guess what? You've just built a massive list of people that are predisposed towards wanting to do further business with you. Why? Because they have a relationship with you. Like the one thing that's weird about podcasting and really cool is whoever's listening to this, 
probably has a pretty deep knowledge of what you are like and what I am like. Like they actually know us in a pretty deep way. And it's very asymmetrical because I don't know them and you don't know them. And I looked forward to getting to meet some of the people who listen, but we don't know anything about them, but they feel like they know us. Why? Because we're divulging our true selves each week on this podcast. And that opens up a doorway to authenticity and people that you can do business with that know, like, and trust you. So I think podcasting has a lot of value outside of just trying to become the next Joe Rogan. Well, I always talk about it. Starting a podcast at 16 was the only reason I was able to start a business. Hard stop. Like, I started my podcast. My first three clients were referrals from people I interviewed on my podcast. And I would interview somebody on my podcast. They'd ask what I do. I told them what I did. And they were my first clients. And still today, people come to me through my original podcast, a single thing I've done in my life, starting a nonprofit, starting a business, doing TV stuff, none of that happens if I didn't start a podcast at 16, which is insane. So that's my go-to on it. And now some business owners and clients of mine are saying, hey, we want to start a podcast. And we see you have a pro- process. Can you help? And it's been the easiest yes of my entire life because the actual value of doing it was that like I – I had to start a podcast when I was 16 in an entrepreneurship class, and I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. I could never have imagined what would have happened because of that. It's insane. I think a lot of people don't even realize that when you have someone as a guest on your podcast and you hopefully are thoughtful enough to do some research, ask good questions, and be a good active listener – and they feel heard and understood, and you give them a platform for which for them to show off their area of genius or their zone of genius, guess what? You just made a friend, a pretty deep friend. And that could be priceless when it comes to your lifetime business relationships. And it's so funny because a lot of times when I talk to people and they're thinking about marketing or business stuff, Old tried and true and like personal relationship businesses still generate results. Like sure, Facebook ads are unbelievable. Sure, all of that's unbelievable. Podcasting, which has worked for seven, eight years on people, still works. Email marketing from 30 years ago or 20 years ago still works. Sending different ads still works. And I think it's just finding how to refine that stuff down. And then if you can build a relationship around that and build a brand that people align with and like to listen to, That's a plus. I'm going to go ADD for half a second here, but it reminds me of like, you know, everyone's looking for the sexy web 3.0 business model. But like, if you just kind of listen to what's going on, guess why they're canceling like 50% or 30% of the flights? There's not enough pilots. Like, I'm not saying that everybody should run out and become an airline pilot, but I am saying that like, you listen to these things and you're like, there's a lack of supply. And it is a significant opportunity if that's something that's of interest. The trades, try getting something fixed or done in your house. Like these guys could pretty much name their price and half of them don't even show up because they have so many people calling them. There's nothing worse than the $80,000 a year like agency person looking down on the $250,000 a year plumber. Like it, it's it people blue collar workers number one are probably the backbone of the economy number two they crush it and it's some, and they don't have a college degree a lot of the times don't need one they go to trade school and it's this whole like 
socioeconomic high ground that like certain industries are just more valuable than others when like it's not it's not at all in fact it, we need the infrastructure stuff right and if you if you do not train these guys and they're not interested in like these trades and they don't even understand how potentially lucrative running one of those trades like a business could be. And it, and if you are sophisticated in terms of how you treat people and running it and operating it like a real business, you could freaking kill it in today's economy in affluent neighborhoods and other neighborhoods. People are dying for good service people. Um, it is a tremendous opportunity and there's so many of those opportunities to to do it. But at the end of the day, I, I really would go, go as far as to say, I'm going to loop this back to, I think we're all seeking connection in a digital world, in a post COVID world. I think like we all are yearning for human connection, human connection in the way we get served in business, human connection in relationships. Like, I got invited to be part of a men's book club. Now, no judgment, no gender judgment, but holy fuck, I'm joining men's book clubs now. Like I used to like hang out and smoke cigars with other dudes. And, you know, I never was a golfer, but I can assure you like being in a book club was never on my radar and I can't fucking wait for it. And my, my reason is because I just am looking forward to an opportunity to connect with and meet other guys that are doing cool things and having interesting lives. And I want to hear about them and learn what they're doing. And it's just another opportunity to connect with people. And I know that this is going to totally ADD and veer, but I kind of want to make sure we like address it and cover it. So going on this co connectivity thing and culture thing, my, both my brother and one of both of our like mutual like friends, like more my age category, but you, we both know him. So I'm at the gym. Both just got back from Japan. And both of their insights about their experience in Japan, I found to be somewhat interesting and somewhat fascinating, which was, I said, how was it? And they're like, all I can tell you is that the United States in like, at least my experience of the United States and our culture is very broken, very, very broken. And I said, can you expand on that? And they're like, well, all you got to do is go, if you go to Japan and I'm not going into any other like demographic trends or are they replacing themselves with their birth rate, all this other stuff that people talk about. They were like, I traveled throughout the entire country. The people could not have been more polite to each other. They couldn't have been kinder. They couldn't have been more service oriented. They, like it didn't matter who you were. If you were, like, it wasn't just for pregnant women or elderly that people gave up their seats on public transportation. It was for anyone. If they perceived that you needed to sit and they didn't, they got up. Um, everything was crystal, like was clean, well maintained, and he's like, I don't know what they're doing over there, but I know culturally they there's something that's working about the way that they're behaving with each other that's very very broken about how we're behaving with each other yeah i think there's a lot that needs to like 
I think America is probably the best country on earth for a million reasons, but I think like a mutual respect for people, especially like you see how divided people are politically and how, like when you come back to the core thing of we're all human beings, number one, we're all Americans, number two, everything else is a third issue to that. I think we'd be a far happier culture probably. Um, but no, I think like, wow, this has been a interesting 52 minute conversation <laughs> We're like a million fucking directions all over all over the place we went like buddha to god to teeth from marketing to podcasting to japan look at us go look at us go um but no to close it out um definitely let us know your guys feedback what's interesting to you like we could go super tactical into like biz ops and i could talk about email marketing we can talk about podcasts we could talk about anything so Whatever you guys are interested, please let us know. One thing I want to start either starting or ending the episodes on uh, to just give more of a day in the life feel. This past week since we recorded last, what's a highlight and what's a low light in the K family from your end? Oh, God, Jesse. You have to hit me with something that's going to make me like overthink. Low light just felt like absolute dog shit all week. Why? Because we just got back from London and Ireland and the weather's been uber crappy. And I just felt like I had absolutely zero energy all week. Highlight um, this week, I'm going to say it's a combination of things. Like one, um, my partner is, my, my, my business partner is coming out and visiting, which he hasn't done in a little while. And I'm looking forward to spending some time with him um, this weekend. I'm looking forward to leaning in and, and having dinner, maybe even a cigar with you before you fly the coop and start your, your career, um, which, you know, I'm getting all choked up and I'm not going to cry on the podcast, but I am sad because Jesse's like my bud and we hang all the time and we have a lot of common interests. So it is sad. I will see him and spend time with him, but I'm just disappearing. I'm never coming back. I'm going 45 minutes away. What a journey. I know, but just in fairness, like it, it, like you are going to go the next chapter, and that is what should happen. But um, it is both a highlight and a little bit of a low light all in the same breath. What about you? A low light? I just felt so out of it this week. Like the weather, I think, like you said, like I had a million doctors, all of the stuff before I moved that I was like, I need to do. Like my to-do list was like a million things. Like all the stuff you try and procrastinate doing, like taxes, accountant, dentist, doctor appointment, like all of the boring stuff that like, that was my day today. Like just going through setup stuff for moving and getting walls installed and ordering furniture, which I haven't even started doing yet. So that should probably be something on the list for tonight. Like all of that stuff needs to get done. And it's just like, it is what it is. And then also I'm very bad at planning that I picked the weekend before I actually have a million things happening starting on Monday. My friends are in town, which I'm very excited about, but people are flying in tomorrow morning. And then I'm going to see them till Saturday morning, then come home, then we'll have dinner, then Sunday, and then I go to the city and it's just chaos. But overall, I'm feeling very good. The thing I'm excited about is I'm just excited for the next year. Like, I think it's going to be such a new experience living in the city, doing that whole thing. I'm excited to bring you guys on that journey with us. And I'm excited to keep building this podcast out. I think we have something really cool going. Me too. And Thanks for I'm, listening, guys. And I am looking forward to getting feedback from everybody on, on like what you guys want to hear more of. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week.